Karen Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Kristen Hoffman of the popular site Baker Betty, where she has been helping bakers of all abilities become better bakers since 2011. You can also find Baker Betty on YouTube, where she shares all of her tips as a trained chef and baking educator to thousands of followers, as well as her online baking school, The Better Baking School. Kristen is also the author of the soon-to-be-released Baker Betty's Better Baking Book, Classic Baking Techniques and Recipes for Building Baking Confidence. I am so excited to welcome Kristen to the podcast. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Liren. Thank you so much for having me. That was such a nice introduction. Oh, you're welcome. I love the alliteration in your title. <laughs> yes, it's it's quite a mouthful. It's quite a mouthful. <laughs> but it captures it perfectly. And I can't wait to talk more about that. But before we begin, can you tell us what the first thing that you ever cooked or baked was and about how old were you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like a lot of people in our world, in the culinary world, have these stories about their memories of growing up baking with their grandmother or their mother in the kitchen at from a very young age. And I don't have that story. I did not bake anything at all, even from a box mix until I was about 19 years old. And it's not that I didn't have wonderful grandmothers and and mother that would have taught me if I was interested. I just was not (laughs) interested in food until I moved out of the house. And I think initially, I just really wanted to feel like an adult and be able to cook food for myself. So the very first thing I ever baked was the Nestle Toll House chocolate chip cookie from the back of the bag. Classic. (laughs) Yes. And I think it's, it's, I remember it so vividly because I remember that I used country crock margarine from my refrigerator as the butter because that is all I had ever known at the time. I didn't know that that wasn't real butter. And I also really distinctly remember packing the flour into my measuring cup as firmly as I possibly could, like cramming as much in as I possibly could, (laughs) because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. And so, you know, I think back to that a lot whenever I am teaching beginners, because I think there's so much recipes already assume you know, even so much as knowing that margarine is not the same thing as butter (laughs) and things like that. Um, you know, that there's there's always kind of this assumed level of knowledge. Mm. And I try to really think about that a lot whenever I'm trying to to teach from the perspective of, you know, people might not know and they might not have been taught these things yet. So, but yeah, the and I made those cookies many times before I graduated from the, the Nestle Told House chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> So I first of all have to tell you, you shouldn't ever feel bad about not having like cooked all your life because I was kind of the same way. Um, Really? Yeah, I didn't really cook. I mean, I would dabble, but nothing. I wasn't Mm -hmm. really interested. I thought that that the kitchen wasn't like my place because I had Mm -hmm. all these aunts and cousins who were really good at at cooking. I was actually telling my husband this last night. Like I was really intimidated. So I just Mm -hmm. assumed, well, it's not for me. My mom doesn't really like to cook. She likes to bake and we bake together, Mm -hmm. but like cooking, I was just like, eh, not for me probably. (laughs) And then it wasn't until college that I realized, oh my gosh, I love it. And Mm -hmm. I'm not bad at it. (laughs) I, I literally remember calling my mother and asking her how to boil pasta. Like I did not know how to cook a box of pasta. (laughs) 
And I think it's great that you like, because that with that perspective, yeah. So now you can assume or not, or not assume that everybody knows Right. What most people think are the basics. And that's such right. a good reminder when you're teaching. Yeah, I do think it helps me become a better teacher that I have such a good memory of what it was like to learn. Yeah. Okay. So Baker Betty. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm always, I can't decide, do I call her you Betty? Do I call you yeah. Kristen? Where did Baker Betty come from? And how did that become your persona? That's a great question. I get that often. You can call me either. I answer to either. Uh, we've kind of become one and the same. Well, so I, I started my blog back in 2010. I had previously, before my blog started, started a, an online cookie company where I was making these, you know, really gourmet style cookies that I sold online. And that kind of blew up much quicker than I ever expected it to. And it became this thing where I had to decide, am I committing to this life of being a cookie baker or am I going to put that aside and, you know, keep baking as a hobby, what I thought at the time it would stay a hobby. And I, I definitely did not want to be a commercial baker, a production baker that I learned that very quickly with that business, that that was not the road I was meant to go down. So I decided to start this blog in 2011, I guess it was 2011, and I think I was a little bit shyer at the time. I was anxious about people I knew seeing that, that this was me and judging me for it. I think I just didn't have a lot of confidence in myself at the time, so I sort of came up with this alter ego, Baker Betty. I was trying to come up with something that was catchy, had sort of a retro vibe to it, and would be sort of my online pen name. And so I came up with Baker Betty, and I, I sort of referred to her as kind of my baking alter ego, <laughs> and she's She's the one that kind of brings that sense of nostalgia into the kitchen. I always want baking to feel really approachable and I want it to feel, you know, like you're learning from somebody that that's not all that different from, you know, your mother or your grandmother teaching you in the kitchen. You know, I, I did go to culinary school and have, you know, the the title of trained chef, but I, I always try to keep things from a very approachable perspective. So that's kind of what Baker Betty has morphed into. She's she's my my teaching alter ego. <laughs> I love it. I love that you can assume this persona and and also because that vintage vibe that you have, if people go on your site, they'll see that it does, or your even your YouTube, like it has this very vintagey feel and it is familiar. So I do love that very much. Thank you. Yeah. So you went to culinary school. Um, was that after your undergraduate? Right. So yeah, I have a very winding path to where I got here. <laughs> I, I, actually have a degree in music. I was a music therapist for a number of years. So I, you know, did that right out of high school and learned to bake kind of while I was going through music therapy school and then got really, really into it once I graduated. And so, you know, after I worked in music therapy for a few years and, you know, had this cookie business online and then started my online blog, I really decided that food really was the thing that I wanted to dedicate my life to. It was really my passion. I didn't know exactly what that looked like. I didn't know if I would make my blog my career. There weren't a ton of people doing that at the time 
or if I was going to work in a restaurant or open a bakery or what it looked like. But I decided I really wanted to go to culinary school and get that professional training. So I went there in 2013. And then after I finished culinary school, I worked as a private chef for a few years before I went full time with Baker Betty. So there's been, you know, some definite uh, forks in the road on the way to get to where I am now. But I think that all ties in together and that works out really well. Um, I have to talk about sourdough. I just have to touch on it. (laughs) Yes, please. Just because um, on your YouTube channel, you have one of the most comprehensive and easy to understand videos. Oh, thank you. Explaining sourdough. And as we all know, during lockdown, sourdough became the darling of bread baking at home. So when did you realize that it was taking home bakers by storm? Well, you know, luckily I had already created all of that sourdough content prior to COVID hitting. No kidding. So, yeah, I, I I had created that whole playlist. There's a really extensive playlist on my YouTube channel with, you know, all about sourdough. I created pretty much all of that. I did do a little bit in 2020, but most of it came in 2019. And so, yeah, you know, right at the beginning, I think, I think it was probably May was when it really hit was when nobody could find yeast. That was the problem. People were not able to find it. Originally it was flour, but then flour seemed to become more available and people could not find yeast and everybody was home. So everybody decided sourdough was their next project. And goodness, I have never seen my inbox so full (laughs) with questions (laughs) about how to make sourdough and how to make bread and You know, it was honestly, it was really fun to see. It was cool to see so many people get this, you know, spark of passion for something that I'm already so passionate about. Sourdough is absolutely my favorite thing to bake. I literally have a loaf sitting right here beside me. (laughs) (laughs) That was the best. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was it was really cool to see how many people just found this new passion for bread and saw how, um, what a mat. I mean, I truly just think the process is magical. I love mm-hmm. watching, you know, you, you're truly using three ingredients, flour, water, and salt. That's it, you know, and, and time, um, the yeast is coming from the flour and the, in the air and the water. And it's just, it's just such a magical process. It is. I have such admiration for people who do sourdough well i've i've killed a starter unfortunately oh no um i am a sourdough starter murderer <laughs> but, we've all done it honestly i've had several through the years <laughs> oh good um, that makes me feel a little bit better but one day i promise to to try it again and hopefully with your with your tips and tricks um <laughs> but again you know with your teaching like you seem to be doing more with like an online cooking school so can you tell everyone a little bit more about that too? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's funny because when I first started my blog, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but I've always kind of had this approach to write from a very like informational or very, um, kind of instructional style. I, I've never really, it's just not my personal style to talk a lot about myself on my website. And so, you know, all, a lot of my articles, even from the very beginning, have been a very instructional articles. And I got a lot of feedback early on that people found my way of describing things to be very easy to follow and um, 
you know, a lot of connections were made for them by the way I describe things. So I sort of have learned along the way that teaching is really what I love to do and what I love to focus on. So a lot of my website is free content that is just very instructional and, and is set up in a way for you to kind of do self-guided courses um, where, you know, it's a very uh, sequential is the word I'm looking for. And you mm-hmm. can kind of start from, from one topic and move through sequentially. But I think it's been two years now, about two years ago, I started kind of an online baking school where I started creating comprehensive courses about bread, about cake, about, you know, baking fundamentals, all different kinds of things. And actually my baking fundamentals course is a free course that during the pandemic just exploded from teachers who were teaching um, like facts, like family what is that? What does facts stand for? Family and consumer sciences classes, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like the modern day home ec. Okay. So all these teachers were having to do virtual learning from home and they don't have experience making video for their kids. And so they started enroll. I, I think I got like 15,000 new oh students enrolled in this class to take my baking fundamentals class. So that was really cool to see that I had made this resource that was so helpful for teachers because I think we all kind of felt so helpless in the beginning that so many people were struggling to adapt to this new life. And so I was so happy that I was able to have just one little thing to help, you know, make that a little easier for teachers. That was really cool to see. I, but yeah. Um, oh my gosh. That's just <laughs> incredible. Just that one stat. is just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. So yeah, so I have all different kinds of courses on my on my online baking school. It's called The Better Baking School, which is, you know, kind of ties in mm-hmm. with my book, The Better Baking Book. So yes. And perfect segue because now there's a hands-on resource that you can flip through. And I've been looking through my, my advanced copy. It's, I love it. I love it because it has all the classics and the basics. And I like how you go over like different mixing methods, depending on the batter. Um, I just, I love that. So what was your inspiration behind the book other than like it's just an extension or was there some, another impetus behind it? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've had this idea for this book for many years and I never, I never really had this huge goal that I was absolutely trying to be an author, but I did have this idea for this resource that I wished I had when I was first learning. So I had done a lot of self-teaching before I went to culinary school, learning how to bake. But once I attended culinary school, I was so fascinated with the way that it was approached in uh, teaching us mixing methods and teaching us techniques instead of just saying, here's a recipe, here's, you know, the mixing method for this specific recipe. Rather, we would learn these techniques that would apply to so many different things. And I feel like I could not find a resource when I was first learning that explained things in the way they were explained to me in culinary school. So I really wanted to bring that to the home baker. You know, a lot of times if you're looking for a resource that explains things in that way, there are these massive books that are meant for professional bakers and the recipes are large scale. So if you want to use it for yourself, you know, you have to really scale it down. So that was really my inspiration. I wanted to 
um, try to connect the dots for people and help them understand ingredient functions, help them understand mixing methods and how master recipes work Mm -hmm. so that you can look at this recipe and say, okay, this is a master recipe for scones and I can use this scone recipe to make really any flavor of scone that I would like to make, but I can also use it as the base for a shortcake because, you know, true shortcakes really are just a basic scone dough right. and, and just being able to make those connections like that. Yeah. I love the master recipes. It's the, you know, the, the possibilities are endless ones you do have a good understanding of a basic recipe and then you can continually riff and make all kinds of different, for example, right. quick breads or muffins and, and things like that. So I love that. Um, you mentioned your grandmother's rhubarb pie, I believe. Oh, in the yeah. intro. So can you tell us a little bit about that and a little bit about her? Sure. Yeah. My grandmother was an amazing baker, but her pies were really her thing. That was the thing that she loved to bake the most. She was actually a school cook when, you know, when she was younger and in the days when, you know, everything was made from scratch in the schools. And so she had a pretty nice garden and she grew rhubarb in it. And so that is still my favorite pie to this day. If, if, that is on the menu. That is what I am going to get. I love rhubarb so much. Me too. Um, yeah, I. it makes me really sad when people don't like it. I think it just has such a bright tartness to it. I just think it's such a wonderful flavor. So, you know, I do sort of wish that I would have paid attention a bit more when she was still alive to learn from her. She loved to talk about how to make things. She, anytime we would sit down to dinner and she would have a homemade food on the table, she would always describe to us how she made it. And unfortunately I was not super interested in making food at the time. So I do wish I would have paid a little closer attention, but my sister does have her recipe box and she has a lot of her recipes written down. So we do have that in the family. So that's really nice. Oh, that's something to treasure for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to also talk about your vintage Pyrex collection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because first of all, I know I saw some of it featured in the photos in your book. So that made me happy. Um, but I also just loved you to have a YouTube video sharing your collection. Yeah. I saw some familiar ones. I'm like, oh my gosh, I grew up with that one. And my cousin had that one. <laughs> so how did that start for you? You know, I have been really interested in vintage things since I was in high school. I mean, truly, like all of my clothes in high school were thrifted. I would thrift vintage things. And I had kind of an obsession with Marilyn Monroe. I had bleach blonde hair. It was cut really short. I would style it like Marilyn Monroe every day. So, you know, I've had this affinity for, you know, 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, pretty much most of my life. Um, And then when I became you know, really interested in baking, I started learning about Pyrex, but I've always lived in a pretty small city apartment. So I haven't had a lot of opportunity to have extra things like that in my home. But during the pandemic, right at the very start of the pandemic, my husband and I moved to this bigger space where I have this, you know, space for this big studio space. And so that's when I decided, okay, this thing that I have been learning about and um, growing this huge love for, I'm going to start collecting it. And so I started collecting vintage Pyrex. A lot of things have been found thrifted. A few of my items were given to me from a family friend. They were her mother's. 
Um, I sometimes will, you know, go to antique stores and things like that, but it has grown past Pyrex. I mean, I now, I just love anything that's vintage patterned milk glass. So I like to collect Fire King, Glass Bake, Hazel Atlas, Federal Glass. There's all of these different brands that, you know, are kind of in the similar style as Pyrex. So yeah, the Jadeite is beautiful. Jadeite as well. So, wow. So you really just started that more recently then. Yeah. It's only, it's only been a little over a year since I actually, the very first thing that I bought was the pink gooseberry set was my gift to myself when I signed my book deal. So that was the first, the first piece that I started my collection with. So yeah, I've really only been actually collecting for a little over a year. Wow. Oh my gosh. What's going to happen in five years? You're going (laughs) to... so many pieces. Well, I limit myself mostly to mixing bowls because uh, it, it's going to get out of hand if I do much mixers and mixing bowls. So, you know, truly I have most of what I want at this point. I try not to, um, you know, add, add too many more pieces, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which one's your favorite pattern for, for now? Mm, I think, I think I don't know if you saw in my video, these bowls right here, these are glass bake bowls. And I know the audience can't see, but on each bowl, there's these little illustrations printed around the outside of the bowl and their ingredient conversions. So it'll say, you know, um, one cup of sugar equals seven ounces. And they're, they're little drawing illustrations for different, different ingredient conversions. And they're pretty rare. That's one of the most rare sets in my collection. They're so adorable. They're called the homemaker bowls, glass bake oh. homemaker bowls. <laughs> They're perfectly named. That's so cute. Yeah. Okay. I also have to ask you, because in your set, you have this uh, red refrigerator. Like, oh, yeah. Cute. Is it a real refrigerator? Does it, it is work? A, it, it is a real refrigerator. It's not vintage, though. It's a, you know, vintage reproduction. It does. Oh, it's a small, okay. it's like a half size refrigerator. So, we bought it just to be able to keep some of my baking supplies in because they sort of take over our regular refrigerator with all of my butter and <laughs> eggs and extra things. I feel so, your pain. Yeah. There, oh my gosh. Like there have been so many times like I just need a whole, I mean, I have a separate freezer for work, but right. I need a separate fridge for work right. for sure. And in an apartment, it is kind of hard to, to manage that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. So if someone has never baked before and they Mm. finally get a hold of your book, where should they begin? Which recipe should they try first? Oh, I love that question. So I really tried to lay the book out in a way that it starts from the most approachable recipes and gets progressively more advanced as you go through it. So the first recipe section is quick breads, which are things like muffins and batter breads and biscuits and scones. So I would absolutely start at that section, start with the quick bread section. I have this recipe in my book that I think is probably my favorite to play around with. It's called the fruit or veg batter bread. And so you can use it to make banana bread or muffins, zucchini bread, carrot bread, pumpkin bread, apple bread or muffins. And um, it's just super versatile. You can, you know, add chocolate chips, add nuts, add spices, extracts, add a glaze on top or a streusel topping on top. There's just so much you can do with it. And it's such an easy recipe to throw together. And um, it, everything, any any variation always turns out so moist and delicious. So I would definitely start there. 
I can't wait to try your version because quick breads are definitely one of my favorite things. I actually just made another one the other day. <laughs> um, yeah, they're so quick yeah. and they're so comforting. Very comforting. Anyone can make it. And people don't also don't realize like you could just take that same batter and throw it in a muffin pan. Absolutely. And it becomes muffins. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So I have some closing questions before I let you okay. go. Okay. Sure. What's something that you make when you're too tired to cook? Your go-to emergency dinner. Oh, hmm. You know, I am a big avocado toast maker. I, <laughs> I, pre I pretty much always have either fresh sourdough or slices of sourdough in my freezer, homemade sourdough. So I'll pull out a big slice of sourdough, toast that up, add avocado on top, maybe some egg, but maybe not. And you know, a little squeeze of lemon, some red pepper flakes, salt, olive oil. Oh, oh, so it's good. just, it's so perfect. It's just the perfect. I love it. So, okay. What are your tips for freezing your sourdough? Oh, perfect. So if you want to freeze an entire loaf, you can actually just after it's baked and completely cooled, you can wrap it really well and freeze the entire loaf. And then when you want to refresh it, pull it out, let it sit on the counter unwrapped for, mm. you know, a good like 12 hours or so the day before you want to refresh it. And then I actually, I actually learned this from my friend, Laura of a beautiful plate. She's also mm -hmm. a really big sourdough baker. So you can either like run it under the faucet really quick to just dampen the crust really quickly or spray it with some water and then throw it back in the oven at like 325 for 10 minutes. And it just recrisps it back <gasps> up. And it's like fresh. It's like a fresh loaf. It's perfect. So if you want to freeze a whole loaf, like if you'd like to gift it to somebody later, that's a great yeah. way to freeze it. But typically what I do is after it's completely cooled, I'll just slice the whole loaf up and then put it in freezer Ziploc bags and then just toast it after I, it. and it's perfect. Yeah. It just refreshes perfectly. So smart. Okay. So after you refresh the whole loaf, how mm -hmm. long will that last? Well, I mean, so if you freeze it the day you bake it, um, it's going to be like a good three or four days. Sourdough, because it has the long fermentation times, tends to not stale as quickly as yeasted bread, as homemade yeasted bread. So it, it can stay out for a few days. I love that. That is yeah. such a great tip. Okay. What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Ooh, I think my ultimate chocolate chip cookie recipe, it's the very first recipe I ever developed. It's the recipe that made me start my cookie business that then led to me starting my blog. <laughs> um, you know, it was just kind of the start of everything. So uh, it is on my website. It's Baker Betty's ultimate chocolate chip cookies. Mm, okay, got to make that. Are you a messy <laughs> baker or a neat baker? Oh, uh, I am naturally a very messy baker. I strive very hard to be a neat baker. I I preach mise en place a lot in my teaching and it's like one of the first sections of the book. And so I really try to practice what I preach, but if I don't mise en place, I'm very messy. <laughs> <laughs> Same with me. Yeah. What's a good kitchen tip? Hmm. I mean, I guess I'll go back to mise en place. Truly, I do truly believe in mise en place, which is, it, if the listeners don't know what that means, it means measuring out all of your ingredients before you start and kind of getting everything that you need set up before you start cooking or baking. Mm -hmm. And it truly does just completely improve the process. It makes it so much more enjoyable. It makes it less messy. There's less mistakes. 
I, it just makes the whole workflow go so much better. So if you're not somebody who already um, does mise en place and cooking or baking stresses you out, I would highly suggest trying it because I do truly think it makes a world of difference in how stressful the process is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. (laughs) Um, Every Friday, I try to share five little things, something that made me smile that week. Is there something that made you smile this week? Um, Yes. (laughs) This might be kind of silly, but um, I got a new a new little bowl set right oh, they bring me a lot of joy <laughs> so this one is their strawberries their hazel atlas strawberry bowls there it was a set i always feel like i know every pattern that is out there but every once in a while i'll find one i've never seen before and so they they're just these little milk glass bowls that have strawberry pattern on them and i i found those this week and i love them so much they're so adorable Aww, those <laughs> treasures make people happy i have a very burgeoning um vintage glass pedestal cake collection oh yeah I stopped after a while just because I was that's all I did and obsessed (laughs) I love it but I totally get it it does make it just brings like another sense of joy to the process like I don't these are not just beautiful on display I use all of them it just makes the whole process even in another level of joyful no, and, and we need joyful, especially now. Absolutely. But thank you so much for spending time with me, Kristen. Thank it you really so much so for fun. having me. Good luck with the book. I can't thank you wait so much. to get a physical copy in my hands. Yes, um, I'll, I'll definitely it. make sure you get one. Thank you. Where can everyone find your book and you online? Yeah, so I am at Baker Betty, Betty with an I-E, not a Y, oh, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that same same handle everywhere. So BakerBetty.com on YouTube, on Facebook, on TikTok. Uh, TikTok is probably the place I'm most active for social media um, and Instagram as well. And then my book is Baker Betty's Better Baking Book. And you can find that wherever books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Bookshop, you can ask your local bookstore, all the places. Awesome. Thank you, Betty. Thank, Thank you, you so Kristen. Much. I can't either decide what to call you. <laughs> I'll answer to either. I'm so glad you were able to join us on this episode of Kitchen Confidant. Thank you again to Kristen Baker Betty Hoffman for joining us today. I really hope you check out her new book. It's perfect for bakers of all abilities. I love how she teaches you so much of the basics in such a usable way. If you enjoy the show, please take a moment to rate it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Thank you.